Hey men, welcome to the FaithBridge Men Podcast. I'm your host, Mace Perez. FaithBridge Men exists to transform men's lives through the power of the gospel, to develop a band of brothers, and to inspire, encourage, and equip men to live lives of eternal significance. We know that real men like you are wrestling with real questions that have profound implications for our lives. So we are taking time this summer to tackle those questions head on in our summer FAQs podcast series. Now, most of you know that our mission here at FaithBridge is all about making more and stronger disciples of Jesus Christ who make more and stronger disciples of Jesus Christ. And you might be thinking, yeah, I get it. I'm bought in. If someone asks you, hey, what's FaithBridge is about? You could tell them that that's the mission. But how do we do that practically? I think a lot of us know that experience. We know that we want to make disciples, but we just aren't sure how. Well, I have asked my friend Joe to join us on the podcast to explain and, and teach us a, a helpful framework that I was first introduced to a, a few years ago and have tried to implement in our into my life and that I found extremely helpful and that I think is going to be helpful for you all as you seek to live on the mission of making more and stronger disciples who make more and stronger disciples. And so I'm excited to, to get into it. So thank you, Joe, for being here today. Yeah, man, I'm excited. So uh, tell the men of Faith Bridge, before we get into the meat of it, just a, a little bit about Joe Hutchinson, who you are. Tell us about your family, what you do for a living, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I have a wife, Carrie, four kids, Kinsley, Zoe, Tegan, and Kale, who are seven, six, four, and two. Wow. The exciting seven, six times. Year old are 364 days apart. So that was interesting. Wow. But uh, I serve over at Woods Edge Community Church as the Associate Pastor of Movements, which essentially means I want to see disciples making disciples and churches planting churches across Houston and beyond. And so where I really get excited is training and equipping the church to be able to go do the work of ministry because I'm a product of the church. Born and raised in a church, my mom ran the nursery, my dad was on the board, and they didn't think that was enough, so they sent me to private Christian school. And so 17 years of private Christian education, but no one taught me how to live Mm. out my faith, taught Mm -hmm. me a lot about my faith, Mm -hmm. but not how to do it. And so there was one class I was challenged and they said, go engage the loss. And I didn't know what to do. So I went to the mall and people watched Okay, and didn't know how to start conversation, didn't know how to even pray for people who are far from Jesus. And from there, God just started convicting me, just started pursuing it and my passion now is just to equip the church to go do it. Right. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, and I, I imagine a lot of the men listening, you know, can resonate with that experience, mm-hmm. right? They've maybe been in church for a long time. Um, and like you said, maybe they've even tried to go, quote, deeper in their faith, you know, with Bible studies and that sort of stuff. And absolutely, those are good things, right? We want to see men engaging the Bible, learning mm-hmm. the Word, um, studying theology, having spiritual conversations with other men, growing in their faith. But if all of that is doing is just filling our heads with knowledge, what are we doing it for, right? You know, James said, be doers of the word, right? Yeah, it's similar, uh, something that men would relate with, learning how to change the oil of your car. Right. You're not just going to sit and study a book and look at a manual about it. you got to get your hands dirty eventually. And what it takes is someone really to model it, to walk alongside of you until you get the hang of it where you could go do it yourself. Right. Absolutely. Um, That idea of like apprenticeship, right? Mm -hmm. And and so men, training men. In this case, what we want to talk about today is specifically 
how we can live on mission. Yeah. You know, again, the way we sort of paraphrase the Great Commission around here at Faith Bridge is to be men who make disciples who make disciples, making more and stronger disciples of Jesus Christ, who make more and stronger disciples of Jesus Christ. And so I was first introduced to this idea of the BLESS acronym mm -hmm. um, a few years ago at a conference, and it just rocked my world. Mm -hmm. And I knew um, that, as you described just a moment ago, that a lot of what you do at Woods Edge is, is train people how to li live on mission, that BLESS is one of the tools um, that you use. So we'll get into the weeds in a little mm -hmm. bit, but give us the 30,000 foot overview of what BLESS is. Yeah, like you said, BLESS is nothing new. It's a strategy to engage the loss that's around us. And we forget as Christians that we are blessed to be a blessing. And so there's a book out there by Dave and John Ferguson that has a strategy laid out. And all we did over at Woods Edge to help train our body is we incorporated practical tools that help people get some movement with it. So it's not just theory, like we read from a book, but here's a practical tool that you can get into it. And so the acronym is real simple. It's B, begin in prayer and bind the enemy. L, listen and love. E, eat and engage. S, serve. And S, share. And that's where we want to share both our story as our testimony, but also his story in the way of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so like I said, I was introduced to this at a, a conference. It was actually before I was on staff at FaithBridge. I was invited as a, a lay leader to get to go to the Right Now conference. A lot of our mm -hmm. men listening will be familiar with Right Now Media, and our team gets to go to the conference they put on every year. And one of the breakout sessions was from Dave Ferguson, and he talked about this BLESS strategy. And I, again, I was just like, it, it rocked my world. That was years ago and it has stuck with me. It's something that I've tried to live out and I've, I've started to try to be a, mm -hmm. uh, pardon the pun, a blessed evangelist around here at Faith Bridge. And so I'm excited to, to give, um, you know, get into it a little bit more out of curiosity. I know you talked about the journey that you were on, mm -hmm. you know, several years ago of growing in, up in church, even going to private Christian school, mm -hmm. but not really sure how to share your faith, live on mission. Um, so how did you first come across this BLESS acronym? Tool? Well, BLESS was really when I got hired on at Woods Edge. It was part of their culture, part of their language. And we realized our mission team specifically, a lot secret about mission teams, we want to change culture very fast. However, when you change culture very fast, it causes a lot of turnover, it causes a lot of you know, chaos because people just aren't used to it. So taking something familiar like BLESS that they knew the language of and just incorporating new tools and kind of new ways to apply it, we have found has really started changing the culture of our church um, in, in, in a very positive way because I think a lot of times – when people hear you want to make disciples who make disciples, we're thinking about long-term discipleship. What's going to happen if groups start forming and what is that going to look like? And we kind of organize it before we have it to organize. Mm -hmm. What I love about bless is it's simple, obedient steps Right. that, I mean, any pastor I think would agree if we could get everyone in our congregation to be praying for the loss and right. start there, that's going to do a huge impact on our community. Yeah. And so those simple steps, that's what I love the most about it. Yeah. No, I think that's a great leadership principle that you talked about is, you know, rather than reinventing the wheel, so to speak, taking things that the people of Woods Edge already knew and were familiar mm -hmm. with and teaching them how to 
use those tools, you know, to use that background knowledge mm -hmm. for the purposes that you wanted them to. And I think, um, and I think the men listening will get this as we start to get into it. One of the things like you talked about, that's so amazing about the bless tool, the bless strategy framework, whatever you want to call it, is that it's taking just normal everyday things, simple steps of obedience, mm -hmm. but using them and leveraging them in an intentional way that can have an eternal impact. Right. And so we mm -hmm. think make disciples evangelize these these are kind of like at at best lofty abstract concepts uh at worst like scare us to death right mm -hmm. but this this tool is going to help us just put the cookies on the bottom shelf and see that through just some simple daily steps of obedience we can make disciples who make disciples so let's let's start to dive in now let's let's break it down so you told us you know what each letter meant now let's just kind of walk through mm -hmm. them one at a time so uh tell us more about that first b the the begin with prayer yeah prayer is the foundation of all the work i mean if we we actually lead people through a discovery study through the book of acts of all the times that prayer is mentioned and what it's doing when it comes to expansion of the church and we forget this. We forget a lot of times that we're in a spiritual battle, that Satan doesn't want to lose ground. And when we're going out and trying to make disciples who make disciples, we're taking back his territory. And he doesn't want to let go of that. We forget that we have authority because of Christ, that he said, unless the strong man, Satan, is bound up, how can we go raid his house? Um, we forget that we're supposed to be connected to God and abiding in him the whole time. You know, he is the vine. We are the branches. He's the one who's bringing the nutrients. So the way I say in training is he's the one producing the fruit. I'm just there trying to be faithful. So if I take care of faithfulness, he'll take care of fruitfulness. And who's to say my branch will hold a certain amount of fruit? I don't know. That's all the vine's job. Mm -hmm. I just got to be faithful. But how can I abide and remain in him? without conversation, without being in prayer, without, you know, asking God, what do you want me to do? And I think sometimes what I notice, I use this example as well, people go to scripture and that's great. But if we're limited just to scripture, not our prayer life, we're going to be missing a whole lot there. Because one of the kids I was blessed to be able to minister to when I moved down to Houston as a missionary to refugees, his name was Lockapro. Last I checked, and I've read through scripture a few times, Lockapro is never in scripture. <laughs> and so if I'm sitting there waiting for the scripture to say, go share the gospel with Lockapro and not engaging in my prayer life over Lockapro, then he would never have come to Christ. He would never lead his little sister to Christ and start changing the dynamic of his family. Like That's the opportunities that we, and why we need to be engaging in prayer, because we want to be led by the Holy Spirit in this. And he's the one really doing the work. We just need to be faithful. Yeah. Um, I love that. And, you know, I think that that, you know, from the get-go is an illustration of what I was trying to say a moment ago of, you know, evangelizing, making disciples can sound really scary. But from this very first step, hopefully already the men listening are feeling a little bit of weight being lifted yeah. off the shoulders, right? Um that we have to have a realization where our responsibility ends and where mm -hmm. God's responsibility begins. Mm -hmm. That in one sense, I cannot make a disciple. Mm -mm. The Spirit has to. 
What I can do, though, is pray, and I can share the gospel and those sorts of things. So it's it's a very freeing yeah. to to remember um, it all isn't riding on my shoulders. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it says in Scripture, no one comes unto him, Christ, unless the Father draws them in. So we have to be praying that God draws them in. We know that according to Scripture that it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. As you go out and go share the gospel, you could do a perfect gospel presentation, but unless the veil, as it says in 2 Corinthians 4, is torn, is removed from their eyes that Satan has put there, it, it could seem illogical, and they're not going to ever receive it. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. And so, yeah, it, that first step of just praying for the lost and a simple way to start doing that um, in Luke 10, 2, in, right before Jesus sends out the 72 to go ahead of him into new places, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest, so it's already his, to send out labors into the harvest. And so just start praying for the loss of saying, God, I pray that you will send someone there that will take the gospel. But realize as you're praying that you could be the answer to your own prayer. Because the very next verse, Jesus says, I, but I'm sending you as sheep among wolves right. out. And so God might turn that back on you saying, I love that you're praying that, you're obeying me as I've commanded you to pray that. However, I already sent someone and that's you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, it goes back to what you said. like, I, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to read my Bible and find a verse that says, you know, share the, the gospel with Parker. Mm-hmm. But I do have very clear instructions from the Lord to make disciples, yep. um, you know, and so everybody, and we should be seeing all of life, you know, as, as a mission field. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, this idea that, um, we are the answer to that prayer. You know, when mm-hmm. we're, we walk through that scripture with le- leaders, you know, we, we talk about, okay, what, what is Jesus saying to pray for? You know, we kind of walk them through it. Who represents the answer to that prayer? Well, it's us. Mm-hmm. We we are the laborers, and let let's be used by Him. And uh, another thing that came to my mind as you were sharing is, um, I think, you know, at least this is my experience. I imagine other people can uh, relate to it as well. So when it comes to, you know, wanting to make disciples, wanting to share the gospel, I can read the Book of Acts. I can read my New Testament. Mm-hmm. I can feel kind of envious. Of, of people like the Apostle Paul, right? Like, mm-hmm. man, if I just had the boldness of the Apostle Paul, like he was everywhere he went, he was sharing the gospel and he was even willing to embrace suffering, um, you know, mm-hmm. because of it and, and whatnot. It's just like, man, I wish, I wish God had made me a little bit more like Paul, a little bit more bold and all that sort of stuff. And sure, I'm sure that God specifically, you know, wired him in a way that enabled him to do those things. But one of the things that has always stuck with me is a lot of people will be familiar with the armor of God passage Mm -hmm. in Ephesians chapter six. Mm -hmm. Well, at the end of that passage, when Paul talks about praying, he's saying, pray also for me Mm -hmm. that I might speak the word with boldness. And we see that in the book of Acts too, that um, when Peter and John were released from prison, that the disciples gathered together and prayed and they prayed for boldness. And so mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, okay, B, begin with prayer. One of the things that that starts with is if you're feeling a little nervous and if this is scary to you, great. You know your first prayer request mm-hmm. is praying to to God that he would 
to give you that boldness and that courage. Yeah, I, I, I encourage people to, you know, sometimes they realize um, even that they don't want to engage the loss if they're really honest. So that first prayer can even be, God, I want to want to. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to want to. I right. see it's your command. And honestly, I, I'm comfortable where I'm at, but I want to want to. And it's not just, you know, obviously the little acronym, it's cute with just begin, but it's begin during and after because right. the Holy Spirit is the one doing the work. Yeah, absolutely. So give us um, any other practical tips that that you have in terms of what to pray for, who to pray for, how to build those rhythms and habits of beginning with prayer into our life. Yeah, um, I would encourage people just to make a list of people they know who are far from Jesus. And if they're not sure if they have a relationship with Jesus, put them on the list until you know it for sure. Start praying for them by name. Start praying scripture over them. Like I, I, I mentioned that uh, passage from John where it says, and Jesus saying, I'll send a helper and he'll convict of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Pray that the Holy Spirit will convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Pray that the Father will draw them in. Pray that they will be soft, that the heart, their soil of the heart will be soft to receive the seed. Like, pray scripture over them. I'd also encourage, start prayer walking. You know, when you go out on your jog or your drive to work or, you know, walking the dog, prayer walk. Um, the whole idea of prayer walking is to be on site with insight, that God gave us our senses, our eyes, our ears, our nose, to be able to see what's around us. And don't be religious about it like the Pharisees, that your tunnel vision, I'm praying I can't engage with anyone. No, see someone, say hi, engage with them, start asking about their day, see if there's ways you can serve them. It, it's starting in prayer, offer prayer for them. Very rarely have I found people in my neighborhood, and when we do this, they deny prayer. Right, And so people might be a little weirded out, but they at least accept prayer, right. and it can start there. Yeah, even someone who would not claim to believe be a believer may not even believe in God, period, right? Maybe an agnostic or an atheist. Rarely would they say, no, don't pray for me. They see it as an act right. of kindness, right. and yeah. they, they see you care. And a lot of times we have to remember... People don't care about what we know until they know how much we care. Right. And so prayer is a great way to start there. Yeah, no. So, you know, create that list of of names. You know, one of the things that I've done when um, I've taught through this is ask people to just think through, you know, Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm -hmm. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself, right? So I don't think he means just this, but what if we... We started literally with our neighbors, right? Our physical mm-hmm. neighbors. And and I'll ask people like, okay, your neighbor on your right, what's their name? Mm-hmm. Do you even know that much? Mm-hmm. Okay, if you know that much, great. What else do you know about them? What do you know about their family? What do you know about their spiritual life, right? And I, one of the things I loved about what you said too is, you know, as, as people are starting to think through what we'll often call our, our circles of influence here around mm-hmm. Faithbridge, whether that's their neighbors, their coworkers, their mm-hmm. friends, their family, et cetera. It's easy to go, oh, I know Joe. He goes to Woods Edge. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great. But just because someone's in church on a Sunday morning doesn't necessarily mean they know Jesus. You exactly. Know? Um, so let, let's, let's not um, assume too much. You know, let's, let's do that. That work of really getting to know them, asking them questions, getting to know their story. Church is a great place to do ministry. 
And sometimes we just check out when we come to church, assuming everyone's a believer. Um, one of my friends, Duncan Slaughter, he, he puts it like this. What? We go to a football game, we talk football. So why do we go to church and not talk the gospel? <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. that's it. That's it. So still, like, being able to reassure and, you know, just speak the gospel over each other. It's so, so encouraging. Right. Absolutely. Um, so it, it's so easy to, you know, you mentioned tunnel vision. You know, even in church on a Sunday morning, it's easy to have that tunnel vision. Absolutely. You know, I just got to get in, drop off my kids, grab my coffee and my donut or whatever, and, you know, get in. But um, uh, Mark Dever, who's a, a pastor in the Washington, D.C. area, when he teaches on making disciples, one of his practical tips is show up early and leave late from church. You know, mm-hmm. like set your alarm 10 minutes earlier, get there earlier, and don't be in quite such a rush. You know, take a snack with you or something so you mm-hmm. don't have to rush out to go to lunch quite so quickly. Because, yeah, like you said, there's making more and disciples who make more and disciples, the low-hanging fruit is the people walking around our churches on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Like, how many people do you walk by that you, you don't even know their name? They might be a familiar face, but, you know, while you're in line waiting for to get your cup of coffee, or if you see someone sitting by themselves, you know, walk up to that person, just introduce to yourself. You have no idea, you know, who they are or, or where they're at. And I think this is all naturally leading to the next step, right? Mm-hmm. So B, begin with prayer. Tell us about the L. Yeah, listen and love. Again, people don't care about what we know until they know how much we care. And I believe we have <laughs> a serious issue with listening. Remember in the book of James, it says, be slow to speak, slow to anger, but quick to listen. Right. And man, just look at our culture in America. Let's get outside of church culture. Just our culture in America, when you want to talk politics, you want to talk sports, you want to talk anything. If that verse was applied, how different would our culture be? How much better would our culture be if people are just quick to listen? And so I don't think we realize how many times we step on our own toes uh, just because we run our mouths. Whether we assume that someone is in a cer- certain situation, so we just start going, or we get caught up on a detail of your story, and so we just kind of hone in on that, and we're just not great at listening. And so listening is a, a practice. It's um, a skill that we just need to work out more. And it's honestly one of my favorite weeks when we walk people through Bless because that's where the group really becomes a community because it maybe for the first time in a long time they felt listened to. And there's been tears shed. There's been hugs given. And it's just really cool to see what happens when we practice good listening. Yeah, that's so good. Um, a couple things come to my mind that, again, I hope the men listening will take as an encouragement, right? Mm-hmm. So, again, this you're talking evangelism. You're talking, you know, making disciples. My heart is racing a little bit. I'm getting a little nervous. My, my Going into fight or flight a little bit here. A, we've already talked about beginning with prayer. Like yep. the Holy Spirit is the one that's going to convict of sin, that's going to convert. It's not all riding on you, bro. Mm-hmm. But number two... The first step to sharing is listening first, yep. right? And we we can all do that. And I, it's Francis Schaeffer, you know, one of the quotes that I come back to a lot was asked, you know, if he was given an hour with a non-believer to share the gospel, what would he do? And he said, I would spend the first fifty-five minutes listening, listening. 
so that in the final five minutes, I would have something meaningful to say, right? And like you said, um, you know, you said listen and love. Listening is one of the most powerful ways of loving someone we can do, that we spend so much, um, plenty of people have something they want to say, but not many people are willing to take time and listen. And the other thought that I had is, you know, some people listening are, are like my wife. They're, they're naturally good listeners, right? Like my wife is that person who literally she'll have like cashiers and grocery sackers at HEB, like telling them her whole, their whole life story. My wife is real similar. It uh, weirds me out. I'm like, how'd you get that story? But right, like, I don't you know, get it. Just like in seconds, right? So some people have that gift. I am not one of those. And mm-hmm. maybe many- I'm an advice giver. Like I need to get to the advice as fast as possible to fix the problem. I think all guys really struggle with that. We're right, fix right. Yeah. So it, my point is, it's very common, but the good news is, um, like you said, it's a skill mm-hmm. and any skill can get better with practice. Right. So mm-hmm. like my son's at baseball camp this week. Right. So some kids are going to have more of a natural talent mm-hmm. at baseball, but everyone can get better at baseball. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I may never become Jose Altuve at baseball. I may never quite get to my wife or your wife's level. Mm-hmm but I can get better at listening. Mm-hmm. It's a skill that I can improve upon. So give us some practical tips on if a guy is listening to this and he's like, yeah, I'm not a great listener. How, what are some tips, strategies, best practices we can do to try to become better listeners? Yeah. I want to continue on that baseball illustration. Cause I'm a baseball guy. Um, I got to play collegiate baseball and I love it. And it's something that's drilled into me, but when we're learning new skill, we got to get down to the skeleton root of it. And it seems very restrictive. When when ground ball was hit to me, my coach over and over and over and over again, head down, hand on top of the ball, you know, come up into the throwing motion. You see these amazing plays made by the MLB guys, and I want to do that as a you know seven year old. But it was just the most basic skill again and again and again. And so great listening questions. And I got three of them that I we coach people through in that listening exercise we do during the bless training. We say, these are the only things you can ask and you got to be quiet outside that. Then after you're going to pray for them is, so what happened? You know, that will either go positively or negatively. You know, if it's a positive thing, they just got the promotion or whatever, we get to get to take it that route. But if it's something that negatively effective and we then go really into a, huge pastoral care role. After that, how did it make you feel? Let's not assume that we know how it made people feel. Talk to a teenager whose parents are going through divorce. Their emotions are going to be all over the place. One week they may be mad. The next week they may be confused. The next week they may feel hopeless. The next week they may feel a little bit relieved because they see maybe a light and then they're crushed the next week after that. So we can't assume we know how it makes them feel. Then we can ask them after that, what is the best or the worst part about that? So what this does is it allows the individual to process with the Holy Spirit. Like God might want to uproot something in them, but if we catch a detailer story and we want to hone on that, ask more questions around that, we can actually take them away from what is really rooted in them. Um, and so these questions, they're, they're hard to stick to at first. But when you realize that you're in a you conversation, what I mean by that is the other person needs to talk. We have a we conversation like we're having right now, back and forth. 
There's times where an I conversation where I need to talk. But when you realize you're in a you conversation, just start asking these questions and just practice again and again and again. My favorite story of this, I did this for a community group that is made up of all married couples because they are a foundations ministry that decided to go and do life together after that. They broke up as husband and wives, and they just talked about their week using these questions only. Mm. And it really ministered to them. Like even with husband and wives, we sometimes don't get down to the nitty gritty of the depths of our emotions. One, one of the girls was like, these are going on our fridge. Yeah. <laughs> like, these are how we're going to operate around dinner from here on out because it really ministered to them as a couple. And so uh, what happened, how did it make you feel, and what was the most difficult part is a simple way to really start in that. Yeah, absolutely. I love, you know, just having those simple handles, those simple questions. Um, and, yeah, so – how I was just thinking, you know, you talked about married couples, you know, I imagine, especially as a, a dad of four kids, like y'all are pretty busy, you know, running around and it can be easy just to be, you know, task partners, right. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and roommates. Right. And so at best, sometimes in our conversation, we might get to the, what happened, you know, or what needs to happen. Just recap right? me on the day. Right. You know, but to, to remind a reminder to, to get down at that that heart level of, of going further. First, ask that first question for sure. You know, what happened? But start to dig a little bit deeper. You know, mm-hmm. how did it make you feel? What was the best or worst part of that? You know, sometimes when I'm coaching leaders on on these sorts of skills, I'll, I'll say, you know, you only find gold if you keep digging, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like you got to dig below that surface. And it's not rocket science, but just a couple simple questions that um, – at first, I guarantee it feels restricting, you. I will admit. <laughs> right, right. But for the other person, right? So how freeing. freeing. Because, I mean, how often do we have someone in our lives who's asking us those sorts of questions? It, and we laugh because our team has been trying to put this into practice, and I'm not great at it. But we've been told by other staff members, like, man, y'all just are such great listeners. I'm like, if only you knew that these are scripted and we're just trying to practice this. <laughs> right. But it, it's really cool to see what God does through the Holy Spirit. And then, like I said, easy off-ramp is just praying over them, right. whether it's a prayer of celebration or a prayer of care. Um, right. It's just praying over them. Absolutely. And just and that's why, you know, we the there is this acronym, you know, and there there is somewhat of a logical sequence other than just the, the letters mm-hmm. that they go with, but... This is really just a lifestyle, and they, they all feed into one another, mm-hmm. right? So as, as we continue on, we have um, B for begin with prayer, L for listen and love. Tell us about the E. Eat and engage, my favorite one. Uh, my favorite one, uh, one of my favorite ones especially because I'm a foodie, and we have to practice everything that we do here. Like, let's put it into action. So during our classes, we actually order in food, and it's fun. And so... But the whole heart of Ian Engage is we have really, in the West, lost what it meant to be neighborly. And we we don't really eat and engage with the lost anymore. But that's what exactly what we saw Jesus did. Right. Like, we suggest people to have Levi parties to invite those who are far from Jesus over their home with other believers because Levi or Matthew, um, as is known in the story, uh, that's what he did. Jesus went over and he got accused. Why are you eating with... Tax collectors and sinners, right. you know, but he engaged with them. 
And so what we suggest people do is to create kind of a relationship map, a networking map, to be able to see who is far from Jesus that you're connected to, and to pick a time that they're going to eat, specifically eat or go get coffee with them or something like that, for the purpose of deepening relationships, maybe practicing your listening questions with them. There is something about food. Um, like I referred to, I got to be a missionary in the Southwest side. I've sat with Muslims and over food, the best conversations happen. Mm-hmm. I've sat with Buddhists and over food, best conversations happen. There's something about food that just kind of eases people that it's an easy place to engage with them. But if we are caught up in everything at church, small groups, and all these good things that we have, and we're not specifically eating and engaging with the lost, we're missing a huge opportunity to be able to advance the kingdom. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this one's my favorite, too. Um, and for multiple reasons. One, because I like to eat. But number two, again, this comes back to that same idea, right? Evangelizing, making disciples can sound really scary, but simple daily steps of obedience daily things that we have to do to eat, right? And so one of the things I like to say is that I I love about this one is, you know, everybody has to eat. Most people eat three times a day. If you're like me, you eat five, six, seven (laughs) times a day. And how simple- there's extra stuff in the break room, yes. (laughs) Right, you know, just how um, easy it is to just use that that time intentionally. I gotta Mm -hmm. eat, you gotta eat. So let's eat together, right? So let's leverage that time. And like you said, there's there's something that happens that I, I think is instilled in us by God that just eating a meal together breaks down walls. And so, you know, take that coworker out to lunch, you know, and invite your neighbor over for dinner. You know, get creative about what that that can look like, but leverage these times and these activities that we already have to do. One of the... Um, pastors that, you know, I've learned a lot from when it comes to, you know, living missionally or trying to make disciples, you know, he has this adage, he talks about being intentional, not additional, right? We, mm-hmm. we tend to think that making disciples always means I have to add something to my schedule. Mm-hmm. Maybe sometimes, right? You can do a, a, a evangelistic Bible study, something like that. There, there's times for adding things to your schedule, but... Mm-hmm. 90 plus percent of making disciples can happen in the everyday rhythms of life Mm -hmm. if we'll just use them intentionally. Yeah, and that's where we encourage people to think through three Ps, people, places, and passions that are already in your life, that God gave them to you. Um, People, people that you know that are far from Jesus, and they're connected to people. And so we could think generationally, same way Jesus in John 17 prayed not only for the disciples, but all that who would believe because of their testimony. He prayed over us, thinking generationally about that. Um, but places, where are places that you regularly go, whether it is the HAB, the Starbucks, the sports clips, wherever that you may go that you see similar faces or passions. I know with you, Mace, like you have a passion for music and you can engage in music. I can't engage in music. I tried in fifth grade, and that was an epic failure. <laughs> and I realized very quickly, God did not gift me here. He gave me a voice to speak, but not to sing. And so I respect it. I love it, but not my passion. But, you know, I have this passion also for sports so that I can hang out with these guys. And God gives us each different passions for a reason. Your interests, your hobbies 
are divine. Yeah. That he gave you those interests. And so it's instead of just, you know, going to the hunting cabin or whatever, it's how do I leverage that for the kingdom? Am I engaging with the other guys that are there? Am I, you know, am I going to that concert just to listen to music or to engage with people who also like that music with me? Right. And so that's been uh, one of my favorites. Honestly, I, even though I'm not gifted in music, I, I, I love hard rock. It's a little secret about Joe. I love hard rock and I have a group of friends that we're on a text thread all the time. Anything comes out new from all these bands, but there was a time in that scene where a lot of the top bands were Christian based. And so I know what their lyrics are talking about. I know mm-hmm. what's going on. And so when they come through, some of my buddies who are far from Jesus, we'll go to the show. We'll mosh, we'll crowd surf, we'll do all the fun stuff that comes with that show. But I'm engaging in conversation on the way home. Hey, did you notice they said this? Did you say, hey, what do you think about these lyrics here? Like, And we, we talk about this. And it's really beautiful um, to see the conversations that come up just by engaging with music with these guys. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it just goes back to that idea of, you know, we're all missionaries. Yep. Some of us are called to, you know, pack our bags and move overseas or, or wherever, but we're all missionaries. Yep. You know, God has placed you in your home for a reason. He's placed you in your office for a reason. He's placed your child on that soccer team for a reason. Yeah. Are you looking through all of those circumstances with missionary eyes? You know, yeah. if you were a missionary who had packed your bags and and moved somewhere, you'd be thinking, I'm here to share the gospel. So I need to be intentional with my time. Even if you haven't packed up your bags and moved overseas, we should still have that that mentality, right? Mm-hmm. So as we're thinking through, we're beginning with prayer, we're listening to people, we're sharing meals with them, eating with them. Tell us about the first S. Yeah, serve. Again, it's a great way to show love. And let's start first within the church. There are dozens of what we call one another's in the Bible, of commands that we're supposed to love one another, honor one another, encourage one another, serve one another. If we just do these as a church, I think we make a big impact in our communities. But we're so disunified in some way that we haven't done the one another's with one another. Mm -hmm. And it says in John 17 that Jesus is praying for unity for his disciples. Why? Because when they are one, the world will know that the Father sent them Son. And we wonder why people don't see Jesus. But we look at our church culture sometimes and we're so divided over stuff and we're not doing the one another's with each other that we miss that opportunity. And one of those is serve. In a way, all of them are serving, but I encourage people to be creative with serving, like serving your community. Um, one of one of the pastors at our church, I love what he does here. He takes advantage of Halloween because it's the one night a year your whole community is outside and that you get to engage with them. And so he puts a grill on his corner and will have signs around his uh, subdivision and say with arrows pointing to his house that says Halloweeners and they could come and come get a hot dog. Now what dad walking with their kids is not going to take a hot dog and a Coke at that time. Right. right? And he's able to love them and engage them in that way. Um, Maybe that means bring our grill to the front yard. And when your neighbor comes up, say, hey, what are you doing for dinner? Do you want throw a burger on the grill and we'll just eat here in the front yard with our families? Um, you know, looking for those opportunities 
within work, when you could tell someone's down, when you could tell they're kind of, quote, out of their luck or whatever, just loving them in the process, looking for ways to meet needs. See need, meet a need. And it's what Jesus did. He didn't just teach because sometimes we get in this mode where I'm just going to tell them the gospel. We see Jesus heal. We see Jesus provide. We see Jesus do all these other things, and he shared the gospel with them. And so sometimes it just takes us caring and serving and loving people around us. Right. You know, just like eating breaks down walls, you know, being served by someone, I think, breaks down those walls because they show that you genuinely care, right? It goes back to that adage you've used a couple times now, right? People won't care how much we know until they know how much we care. And so serving someone is a great way of proving that we care. And as you were sharing, I was just thinking about um, a ministry family um, that we're we're friends with. They were telling us a story. They're living in a very post-Christian, secular part of our, our city, um, and he's pastoring a, a church there, and they were talking about um, a neighbor of theirs that they've been doing all this sort of stuff with, right? Like getting to know, listening to them, mm-hmm. eating with them, serving them, and they were hanging out with this friend and then another mutual friend, and it came out that uh, this guy was a pastor, right? And so they start talking, to him, and the the guy's friend is like, his mind was blown. He goes, wait, wait, wait. Let me get this straight. So, like, he's a, you know, your this guy here, you know, your neighbor, whatever. He's a pastor, uh huh. And, you know, he knows you don't believe what he believes, uh huh. He knows that because of that, and because of you know the way you're living, et cetera, et cetera. Like, if you don't change, you're you're gonna go to hell. Like that's what he thinks, right? Yeah. And you're still friends with him? Yeah. <laughs> because they know that they're loved, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we want to see people come to know to the, know the Lord. But even that, right, sharing the gospel is is a, a form of love. But mm-hmm. we can open the doors for that by showing them love in practical ways. Actually shutting your mouth and listening, mm-hmm. you know, sharing a meal with them. And as you listen, you start to pick up on those things, right? So um, we, my wife and I just moved, and we're trying to get to know our neighbors. And pretty quickly, you know, um, we found out that one of our neighbors had just had a, a new baby a couple of weeks mm-hmm. ago, right? And so we're we're learning information. And as a, a dad of four, you know, in those early days, right, there's, Them there's diapers no shortage. Are priceless. Right. There's, there's no shortage of needs, right? And so, you know, as people who are Christians and people who, who want to love others mm-hmm. in the name of Christ, you know, my wife and I quickly, like, kind of flagged, okay, here's some potential opportunities that we can have to, mm-hmm. to maybe serve this family in the name of Christ. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean... Let's not overcomplicate this thing. Like, just go and love people. And I've seen it time and time again where those who are even the most hard are just softened just because they see that you care and you love them. Yeah, absolutely. So we're praying, we're listening, we're eating, and we're serving. But ultimately, our goal is to get to to share the greatest news in, mm-hmm. in the entire world, right? We want to make disciples. And while it's God's job to convert. It's our job to share the gospel, Mm -hmm. right? Got to be faithful. Uh, So let's talk about the final S now. Yeah. And this is, I think, a lot of times uh, St. Francis Sissy was quoted saying, you know, preach the gospel, always use words when necessary. I think we've kind of used as the cop-out where I don't really need to say anything. I could just go and serve. And I've seen that a lot in, it, it breaks my heart where I was talking to a young man I mentored and his church, they went down to like uh, Puerto Rico and they built a porch for this lady. 
And I was like, that's awesome, man. Uh, how'd, she, how'd she respond to the gospel? And he's like, we didn't share the gospel. I'm like, you just raised thousands of dollars to go down to Puerto Rico to build a porch, and you didn't share the gospel with the lady you built that porch for. Like, there's there's this, yes, we want to do the acts of the hand, but God has also given us a mouth that he wants us to share the good news. And so I would encourage anyone, uh, first, learn how to share your story, that we underestimate the power of our testimony. And the beautiful thing is no one can refute it because it's your story. I mean, what's the worst thing to say? That didn't happen. Yeah, it did. <laughs> so end of story, or that's good for you, right. but that's end of story, right? Um, but then learn a tool to share the gospel. A tool is better than no tools. And there's plenty of great tools out there, um, whether it's using a three circles tool, which is real popular right now, a bridge illustration, the two kingdoms. Like there's tons of different tools out there. Learn one, master one, find out what works well in your context. Be flexible, obviously, with the leading of the Holy Spirit. But realize that it's already modeled in Acts the three responses we're going to get in Acts 17. We love that passage of how Paul was so strategic and talking about the uh, the statue set up for the unknown God and how it was culturally relevant and everything. But after he talked about the resurrection, there was three responses that were given that some mocked him, some wanted to hear more about it, and some accepted and believed. That's exactly what we're going to get out here, that some are going to mock you or say no, and we call those red lights. And then all you do is you lovingly move on. And what I mean by that is pray for them, care for them, but until the Holy Spirit moves in their heart, you're not going to change it. Then two, what we'd call yellow light, those who are interested, they want to hear more. Hey, what you said about Jesus, I haven't really heard before. I kind of want to know more about that. Start a discovery Bible study with them. You know, there's plenty of resources out there. Maybe start taking them through one of the gospels or looking at the stories of hope that Jesus brings hope into a situation or the commands of Christ that they can kind of just see who Jesus is. And then some are going to accept Start discipling them, like invite them into community, start walking with them. And so if we know those are our three responses we're going to get, really, what are we scared of? Right. Like the reality is uh, there's a, there a small group leader of mine. He said, look, all peer pressure is is fear pressure. Mm. It's a fear of man right. that we're scared of men more than we are of God. And we just have to get over that. And let me tell you, Satan will make it as awkward and hard as possible to share. He doesn't want it because he knows, look, if you go serve them, but they don't hear the truth, he still has them. Right. But until we share the truth and faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, that that's where things really start changing. So he's going to make it hard. He's going to make it awkward. It's going to feel weird the first few times, but punch the awkward, punch the awkward, just do it, be faithful. And always the question is given to me, well, how do I know when's the right time? When you feel convicted to do it. Right. And you know what? We've already been given the command to do it. So if you're going to err, err on that side that you're going to go do it, then not do it. Right. Yeah. Um, so several things come to my yeah. mind, again, to just praise my wife and how I've been encouraged and challenged to be a, a better follower of Jesus because of her examples, you know, things like mission trips and stuff, you know, would opportunities would come up and she's like, you know, I want to go. And I'd be the person that had all the questions. What about this? this? 
you know, and I learned from her example exactly what you just said. Okay, if I'm going to err one way or another, I'd rather err on the side of obedience. Yeah. Should I share the gospel with this person? If you're asking the question, the answer is yes. You yeah. know, Jesus explicitly said, make disciples, right? So guarantee the answer is yes. But another thing I loved about what you said, just to kind of keep coming back to this idea of like, we don't have to live under this this weight that we often put on ourselves. You know, who is the greatest evangelist that ever lived? Many people would say the Apostle Paul, right? Exactly what you just talked about. Mm -hmm. And he had these three responses. Some repented and believed. Some were at least intrigued and maybe willing to learn a little bit more. And some rejected and mocked him. I would actually say Paul was the second best evangelist that ever lived. The best one, Sunday school answer, was Jesus. Mm -hmm. And we see even Jesus, as he went around performing miracles, uh, sharing the gospel of the... the, That's better than anything. Right, yeah. Uh, Performing miracles, serving, sharing the gospel of the kingdom. He's literally there in human flesh and did 100% of the people that Jesus evangelized to get converted? No. And so success in evangelism, success in making disciples is not... Converting again, that's not our job, that's the spirit's job. Success is being faithful. Mm-hmm. Should I share the gospel with someone using words? Yes, and if you did that, regardless of the outcome, that's successful. Yeah, I mean, I, I think of the parable of a sower that he sowed so generously, he wasn't like so liberally, he was just throwing seeds out there, he wasn't paying attention to where he was throwing. But if we want to take that literally, which I don't think it's to be taken literally here. Only 25% of that, you know, resulted in fruit. Right. The rest got choked out, burnt out, or eaten up. So if we take that literally, that means our batting average would be 250 when it comes to leading people to Jesus. But that's why we have to be freely sharing and casting seed. And who knows what the Holy Spirit's doing in their heart. Absolutely. And I want to double-click on one other thing you said that – perhaps the most powerful tool we have when it comes to evangelism Mm -hmm. is our own story. Mm -hmm. Um, Especially, um, I used a couple terms earlier, post-Christian and secular. Mm -hmm. Another kind of term that often gets thrown around in there is Mm post-modern, right? And and we're moving more and more into this post-modern era. Mm -hmm. And uh, essentially, what that means is, I I still think things like apologetics absolutely have their place, but less and less are, are people asking those sort of typical apologetics Mm -hmm. types questions, you know, um, and are looking for rational arguments. You know, we're very story driven and about experience driven. Mm -hmm. And so one of the most powerful ways that you can witness to someone is simply to share your story, Mm -hmm. share your experience. However, what we have found here is even as we're training people getting ready to lead small groups, 90 plus percent of people at FaithBridge, even that are true believers, you know, um, they've never shared their story before. And they don't even know where to start when it comes to thinking through their story and preparation to share it. So um, what are some some tips for the the man listening who's like, yeah, if someone asked me to share my my faith story in five minutes, I I wouldn't even know where to start. What what tips or encouragement would you give to that man? Yeah, I would even get way shorter than five minutes. Um, We tell people to get a skeleton version, a 15-second testimony Mm. that um, in in what we 
the reason why we do this is because stereotypically in the church, we spend 85% of the time, if not 90% of the time, talking about our past, all the gory details of all the bad things we've ever done. And we'll just give this little snippet of how we found Jesus and then who we are now in Christ. Well, if it's about Jesus and not about us, I think we should probably switch some of those ratios up a little bit. Also, sin has enough power. Let's not glorify it more than what we have to. Be honest about your story. Don't fib or lie or create other stuff. Um, but be also sensitive that we don't need to belabor on some of those things deeper than what we really have to. So we encourage people to look back um, I'll model mine and I'll explain how, how I do it. There was a time in my life where I was empty and selfish, but then Jesus got a hold of my heart and he forgave me of my sins and I decided to follow after him. Now he's filled me with purpose and love for other people. Do you have a story like that? I could slip that into any conversation and then I get out of it. And so looking back, think of one or two adjectives to describe who you were in Christ. And if you're listening well, if you can relate with their story, you can say, I understand where you're at, man. There was a time where I was mm-hmm. that and add that in. But then we get to Jesus. And Jesus is a changing factor that, hey, there is, I found, Jesus found, found me because I was lost. Um, he was never lost. I, Jesus, you know, I, I, Jesus entered into my life and he forgave me of my sin. And I decided to follow him. I use, I'm a, good old preacher boy. So I like alliteration. The two F words work really well there for me. And then who are we now in Christ, which is usually the opposite of who we were before. But then from there, you can elaborate because sometimes we go monologue. We don't realize how long we go and the people listening check out. Right. But if this, you know, if people are sitting around my dinner table compared to if I'm just in passing with them, then I can elaborate a little bit more that the way that, I personally felt I was selfish and empty and trying to fill that emptiness. It was, I need to find a wife. But in my selfishness, I never treated any girl right. Mm. It was all about my satisfaction and my need to f- get a wife. But it wasn't until Jesus really got a hold of me and really through the verse, Luke uh, 9.23, of what it means to really die to myself, pick up my cross and follow him. I was pursuing ministry, but still for my gain, because I like to preach, and I thought it would be a good way to make money, and Jesus wrecked me in that, that then he gave me a purpose of living for him and gave me a love for other people. And then always, I encourage you, whether you're sharing the gospel or your testimony, end with a question. Because if we're having a conversation with someone, we can share a story with them, but we don't have invite them to engage mm-hmm. in it. And so I can share like the three circles illustration and it's a, a good bedtime story for them mm-hmm. for lack of better purposes, or I can engage them in, have you ever heard this story before? Where do you see yourself in the story? Do you like this story? Like anything that gets some conversation going that they really can wrestle with it. Yeah, absolutely. Just an encouragement to, you know, again, going back to the idea, you know, especially in our culture, right? We think, well, only closers get coffee. I got to close the deal right then and there where I think more and more it's going to be a process. Right. And even for you, you said, you know, you grew up in the church, but I I imagine you probably didn't get saved on 
like the day one of your, your your life, right? No. So we all have to hear the gospel over and over and over again and have yeah. experiences with with P- Jesus and with people who love Jesus, et, et cetera. And so keeping that dialogue um, perspective, right, mm-hmm. of, yeah, I'm going to share, right? The gospel is good news. We're going to share it. But ending with a question, inviting people to continue to engage um, and keep that conversation going because yep. it's probably not going to happen um, overnight. Or the the very first time that you you share that with someone. I mean, if God wills it, it can, but usually not. <laughs> absolutely right. Absolutely, God can do whatever He wants. Yep. Uh, and certainly, we'll um, you know, as we're faithful to share, hopefully, we'll have those stories yep. of of people on the spot. But um, again, just an encouragement that this is a journey that mm-hmm. we're we're walking on. And realize if there's someone like your coworker or neighbor, you'll see them again. Right. You don't have to close. Feel the pressure that you have to close right. on that time. But to give them something to think about, um, to engage in, or as one of my other mentors said, just throw a little virus into their computer trip mind. Like that they <laughs> kind of go, huh, never thought of that before. Right. That would engage in conversation going forward. Yeah. Well, this has been so helpful, Joe. Thank you so much. Again, you know, just to think that making more stronger disciples who make more stronger disciples can just come down to these simple practices that we can do literally every day. We can Mm -hmm. do at least one, if not multiple of these every day. We can begin with prayer every day. Mm -hmm. We can listen to people. We, We all interact with people every single day. Even I guarantee you, even if you work from home and are at a computer every day, I guarantee you probably interacted with at least one other person. You can listen with them. We all got to eat. Most of us eat, unless you're on the most extreme version of intermittent fasting, most of us eat multiple times a day, right? And we can serve people in the name of Christ, yeah. and we can share our story. And so just thank you for giving us some simple, practical, tangible um, uh, tips, practices, rhythms, things that we can implement into our lives to be disciples who make disciples. Yeah. My pleasure. Yeah. And thank you so much, men, for joining us on this podcast as we continue our summer FAQ series. If you found this helpful, please share it with others and rate and subscribe to the podcast. And as we continue our FAQ series, if you or someone you know has a question about life, faith, God, or culture, go to faithbridge.org slash men and let us know your question. You can let us know your name or you can keep it anonymous. And we will catch you next time on the Faith Bridge Men podcast as we continue to tackle the real questions that real men are asking head on.